Um, one of the things that I've found um, growing up is that for each stage beyond where I am, I really struggle to imagine what it's like when I get there. So, for example, when I was in primary school, the concept of me being at secondary school, like I knew it had to happen, but picturing myself actually being there was just sort of like didn't really make any sense. And I've sort of found a similar thing as I've grown up, like imagining myself doing A-levels, just like, no, nah, it doesn't make sense. Or like going to uni, it's like, well, no, I'll get there, but what it looks like, I don't know. Um, and I'm like, I'm a student, I'm a third year physics student, so one of the questions, of course, I get asked all the time is, well, what are you gonna do when you graduate? And it's like, well, at the moment, I, I can't really picture myself being not at university, so I have no idea. Um, and a bit of what we're gonna look at this evening is sort of, imagining the future, but not just like a few years down the line. It's like a very long way down the line. It's a little bit of what Jesus is talking about here. I'll kind of get onto that um, a bit later. So we're going to explore this passage and what Jesus has to say for us, to us through it. Um, I may be a little bit all over the Bible uh, this evening, so I do sort of apologize for that, but also not really. Um, I often find that the Bible is sort of in conversation with itself. Um, I don't know if you ever find this, where you read one passage and you find that actually it's sort of speaking to another part of the Bible, which at first glance might seem quite unrelated. I always find that really exciting. Um, but it can mean that I go a bit round and about. Um, so I do apologize for any sudden jumps. Um, so let me just pray for us before we get into this. Lord, I thank you. Um, for the glory of you and of what you are like. I thank you that you are the God of the dead, not of the dead, but of the living. Um, and I pray that that vision would grip us this evening as we look at what you have to say to us through this passage. Amen. So a little bit of a background to uh, this uh, passage that Amy read to us. Um, this is a day or two uh, after Jesus has triumphantly entered Jerusalem on a donkey. And he is teaching publicly in the temple courts. Um, and he has sort of the whole city stirred up. Everyone is asking, who is this guy? Why is he here? What's he saying? Um, and there's various groups of people who don't really like him very much and are trying to trick him and discredit him by asking him questions. Uh, so in this passage, uh, it's from a group called the Sadducees. Um, I was talking to someone recently about this passage, and he said that he was taught... Um, you can remember the Sadducees because they're sad, you see, um, because they don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Um, they're predominantly um, wealthy Jews, um, particularly from the priestly families. Um, they weren't particularly popular at the time, um, and they're probably the people who, if you remember the uh, story of Jesus you know, barging into the temple and turning over tables and stuff, um, because people are selling things. They're probably the people who were behind that. So they're not exactly fans of Jesus. Um, and part of their beliefs uh, was that there was no resurrection of the dead. Um, they believed in uh, the first five books of what is our Bible, uh, but none of the writings from the prophets or any of that. So they sort of said, resurrection of the dead, it's like kind of a load, sounds like a load of tosh to us. Um, I'm not sure if they use the word tosh. I don't know if that's a Hebrew word. I don't know. Um, and I suppose we don't usually like to think about it, um, but to some extent, a large part of our existence and what we do uh, is determined by our reaction, our fear, our planning in relation to death. Um, we are finite beings. One day, all of us will die. Um, I was chatting to a guy I met recently, um, a new student, 
um, about how he became a Christian. Uh, and for him, it started when he woke in the middle of the night when he was about 13 with the realization that one day he would die. Um, and that was the beginning of a journey that led him to knowing and trusting in Jesus. Um, some people are defined by their efforts to prevent death from coming here whatsoever, very risk-averse. Other people might embrace an attitude that says, I have no fear of death whatsoever, and do all sorts of crazy things that I'm not sure I'm a fan of. Um, and for a lot of us, I guess it's somewhere in between. Whatever our attitude is, it is something that will happen. As Christians, you might have an idea of, of, in the words that we sing tonight, like we've sung tonight, that there will be a resurrection, that we will rise from the dead. But it's hard to know what that will be, I guess. So what's happening in this passage? Um, on the surface, I guess it, it's about marriage. You know, that the, these Jews are coming to Jesus and they're asking this sort of, um, kind of weird story. Um, if it sounds a bit ridiculous, it's kind of meant to sound ridiculous. You know, you've got this um, this family with seven brothers, and one of them gets married and dies, and the next one, and so on and so on. You kind of feel sorry for this you know, rather poor woman in the center of the story who doesn't really get much of a, a say in what's going on, it feels like. Um, and it's, you know, it sounds very strange. And when I first saw it, I was like, I'm not sure I have any particular wisdom to add on marriage. Um, as a 22-year-old single guy, like, I think, you know, it's not really my area of expertise particularly. Um, but really, they're having this conversation on the surface. But deeper on, there's bigger questions going on. And that's what we're going to look at, fortunately, for all of, all of us, I guess. Um, so yeah, we've got this, this story of... You know, them trying to set up this situation which makes resurrection sound ridiculous. And Jesus' answer sort of gives us a little bit of an insight into what the world to come will be like. He talks about relationships between people that are so close that something that was previously only able to be found in marriage will now be possible between more people. That's pretty cool, actually. And then Jesus sort of directly challenges them on their belief about resurrection, the bit that they're challenging. He goes to the bits of the Bible that they trust. He goes back to that story in Exodus of Moses talking to God at the burning bush, and he calls God the God of, um, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. He uses the present tense, which might sound like a bit of a, I don't know, I can't think of the word, like a, a small detail, but actually it's in incredibly vital that Moses calls him the God of people who are still existent. Um, And on the basis of that, of these scriptures that they will know and they will trust, he has this amazing sentence. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Central to our faith, central to the songs we've sung tonight, is the belief that Jesus died and rose again three days later. And this is a wholly, completely, physically alive. It's not like a metaphor or an embarrassing side note, but it's completely central that Jesus rose from the dead in a physical body. People touched him. He ate food. Like, he was a real existent person when he came back to life. And throughout Acts, whenever the disciples go to a new place and they're telling the story, the good news they have to share, central to it is that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and therefore God's kingdom is at hand. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, that if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. 
And recently, I've just been captured by this again and again. The fact that Jesus is presently still alive and that death has been defeated. This is really, really cool. (laughs) So, we know that Jesus was physically resurrected. Physically resurrected. And that we have a promise of eternal life to come. It's a lot of what Jesus talked about. Um, And so, therefore, we too have a promise and a sign that the same is coming for us. Eternal life is not floating around on a cloud, but a real physical reworking of not only our own physical bodies, but all of creation. And if you read uh, at the end of Revelation, the picture that that John is given is um, of a world renewed and restored to what it was always meant to be, a new heaven and a new earth with no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering, where God is living amongst his people. And so if God, uh, Jesus was physically resurrected and we have the promise of a, a world that is, uh, when Jesus comes back, is physically, you know, renewed and restored, then that says that God is a God who values the physical world. You know, our world is not something to be suffered and endured, something that might hold back our true spiritual selves that will then be free to, like, float off and be with God. But instead, the physical realities of creation are intimately tied to God redeeming us from sin. You know, it's all held together. In Romans 8, Paul writes that all creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And that creation will be released from its bondage to to decay and frustration and death and will be brought into freedom. God's redemption and renewal is not just for me, but it's for all things. And so therefore, it encompasses not just me and my relationship with God, but also me and other people and creation. It will all be restored and renewed to what it was originally intended to be. So therefore, when we use three like simple words that say Jesus is alive, there's so much going on behind that. There's so much captured in that. Those three words might sound so simple, but they're three of the most subversive and revolutionary words in human history. Jesus is alive. Our hope as Christians is defined by resurrection, and this not simply being floating off to heaven. Resurrection shows that the greatest symptom of evil and injustice, death, is defeated. And so, Evil and justice will not have the final word over God's rule of the world. And so therefore we, as a church, are called to be people who live in such a way that through the Spirit we anticipate that future life uh, that we'll have in the new creation. Our hope is in a renewed and reformed world that is put to right as it should be. And that is therefore what motivates us and drives us now. To live in such a way as we hint at the world that is to come. We give a little glimpse to the world around us as to what God's future looks like. I guess kind of one of the difficulties, though, is that we have frustratingly little um, to go on in terms of what that will actually be like. And, you know, when, we, when we look at the Bible, God actually gives surprisingly few details about what this renewed and restored world will be like in his infinite wisdom. Um, We'll explore a little bit more of what that might be like uh, in various passages in Life Hub, I think, this week. 
Um, and it, it again goes back to that story I said in the beginning, where we can sort of struggle to imagine what it will be like. We always have no no real touchstones as to what my existence in this future existence might be like. Um, you know, sometimes I think of questions like, will we have chocolate in the new world? Yeah, I hope so. Will we have coffee? I hope so. Will we have wasps? And whilst we might not have the finer details, we do have, I guess, some important themes um, of what this world is to come. And so here, here are a few. So not, here's one. We are with God. We have the promise of being with God in his presence. It's almost a return uh, to the Garden of Eden, right back in the beginning, where God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. God is once again here and close to his creation. And number two, it might seem strange, but there are other people there. You know, the people of God are gathered together with relationships of love and joy, no longer threatened by lies or distrust or cheating or violence. You know, we are free to be the people gathered together as we were always intended to be. Here's another thing. Creation is involved. That does mean that there will probably be food. You know, in the Old Testament, food was always a sign of God's blessing, of, you know, food and wine. And it speaks in the writings of the prophets of a day when we'll have a feast. That is a picture of what the new creation is to be like. So, you know, I think food will be involved. But there's also the beauty of this earth as it was always meant to be, restored and renewed. And here's another thing that I find very interesting, that work has value. In the beginning, we were given a mandate for work when we were created. Um, you know, God said we are to be stewards, almost recreators in the image of God of the world that he made. As a result of the, of the fall, um, of the sin that entered the world, work becomes hard and frustrating and sort of works against us almost. Um, but in the renewed, restored world, we'll no longer have that. We will not be sitting around on clouds with nothing to do, but we'll be able to do the work that God made and intended for us to do. And not as a burden, but as something that is truly part of our being. And those are just four small things on a long list, but those are some of the themes of the world that is to come. And so they sort of speak back to the world that we're living in now, that we can know that we have God with us now, that people are of value, that creation is of value, that our work has value. And that's kind of a little bit of the hint that Jesus gives in this passage when he speaks of marriage uh, in the new creation. He says, uh, in the age that is to come, we will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And that's not because there's something wrong with marriage now, but it's just speaking to the far more that is promised to come in terms of our relationships between one another. And these are sort of, I guess, small, incomplete glimpses of what this age to come means. So what about us? Uh, What about us as we leave here, as we go about our lives um, tomorrow, later this week, months, years? I'll give you a few small examples that I've been thinking about from my life recently. So if we're called to have a love for creation, if God values creation, I think we should embody those same values, then I guess 
things that harm our creation are things that we should think about and care about. Climate change is a, a real issue. Uh, and so I've decided to eat a, a bit less meat because meat production contributes to climate change. And it's like, I guess it's a, a kind of a small thing, but it's part of a, a bigger picture. Um, here's another example. Um, I'm part of a group called Just Love Bath, uh, seeking to explore what social justice means um, in light of our faith in Jesus. Uh, and recently, we've had a campaign called Unashamed. Um, it's about having a conversation about um, domestic violence and violence against women. Um, and it's been incredibly powerful and interesting. We had a, a question and answer panel session earlier this week uh, looking at the issue, and it's staggering, really. Um, some of the stats, I think, one of them was um, a third of women worldwide uh, will be affected by this. Um, that's a sixth of people. Like, that's a significant issue. And it can be hard to, to know what to deal with that when so many of the changes are institutional in our, our law courts, um, in the police, in the media. Um, but there are things I can, I can be a part of. Um, I can be someone who refuses to allow... Um, lad banter, um, which is part of an atmosphere uh, which can allow violence against women to perpetuate. I can say no to comments and things that will, see, that will let that exist. And that's a small thing, but it speaks to a world that is to come where God's heart is for those things not to be there. And what could it look like in your life? Maybe it's stopping to chat to the guy who's selling the big issue. Maybe it's in forgiving someone who, by all rights, doesn't really merit forgiveness. And we won't have uh, the total renewal until Jesus returns. That doesn't mean that we don't try. Um, I live in a house. Uh, there's five guys. Cleaning this house, you know that it's probably not going to maintain being clean. But you don't stop cleaning, because that would be even worse. <laughs> And it's a bit like that when we think about the things that we do in this world. We do things that speak to a world that will be renewed, and we know that our actions won't do it all. But that doesn't mean we don't try, because otherwise it's even worse. It's interesting, uh, this Sunday in the official Church of England calendar is the fourth Sunday before Advent. Um, Woohoo! Uh, and one of the things that is awesome about Advent is not only that we remember that Jesus came, but we remember that Jesus is coming back. Maybe that's something to bear in mind this Christmas season as we remember when he came the first time, that he is coming again. And these things we can do that are tiny and small, they speak of the hope that we have in a world that will be recreated by God who loves us. This is what the gospel is. God made the world. He made it good. And we as humanity have messed it up. The coming of Jesus before heralds God's love and his care for this world. And in Jesus' death, our sins, our brokenness are dealt with. In Jesus' resurrection, death is shown as a defeated enemy, spelling the end for evil and injustice. And one day, we will look forward to the day when Jesus will return and it will all be set right. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's be people who let this good news sink deep into our character so that by God's spirit, we are continually being changed and are changing the world that we live in. There's a, I'm going to draw to a close uh, very shortly, but there are a few ways uh, we might want to respond. We need to know 
that God is the God of the living and not the dead. Sin can sometimes end up twisting our perspective on this. I was chatting to one of my friends recently who was really struggling with an area of sin in his life, and he said it was just completely sucking out the life that he knew he ought to have. It was like he was living in grayscale. You know, everything was black and white. And there may be areas where we are really struggling, and the Spirit can come into us and once again remind us of God's goodness as we confess our sins together and to God. That's something uh, that you feel like you've been particularly wrestling with recently, remembering a bit about what Tim was speaking about last week, then it'd be great to be able to pray with you about that. Or maybe we just want a reminder, a taste of what this resurrection life is like. We have the joy and the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and his power lives within us. And we ask for more of his Spirit Um, not because um, we're greedy, but because he's the only one who's able to bring these things about. He is the presence of God that lives within us. We need God's spirit to be at work within us, to change and transform both us and the world around us. He is the hope that we need, and certainly for me, he's the hope that I want more of. So tonight is an opportunity for you to ask for more of that hope, to be given a little glimpse, a little picture of what that future life will be like. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray for us, uh, and I'm going to hand over to Mark. But if those are things that you'd like prayer for, then there'll be people around the room who would love to pray for you for those things. Just have, um, a moment of quiet. Father, we thank you, uh, for the love that you have shown us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your um, your coming, uh, for uh, your death, and for your resurrection. And we know that that is a promise that lasts for us too. Lord Jesus, we eagerly await your return when this world will be set right the way that it was always meant to be. In the meantime, would you help us to be fully present and fixed with a vision of what that future is like? Would you give us... Um, a hope that comes from that vision of a renewed and restored world. And with that, would you grant us the life that comes from knowing that you are the God of the living and not the dead? Amen.